Welcome to Subtext and Discourse, a podcast which takes you behind the scenes of the art world with the unique individuals involved in the field. My name is Michael Dooney, director of Jarvis Dooney Gallery and host of the show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with collector and founder of Collection Regard, Marc Barbet. My interview with Marc is one of a number of encounters that took place during the opening week of Recontra's Arles in 2022. We recorded our conversation in the exhibition of Amin El-Dib, Folders, Cracks and Papers, which was presented by Collection Regard in Photo House, which for the second year was hosted in the Manuel Rivera Ortiz Foundation. Be sure to follow Subtext and Discourse Art World Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. Now, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marc Barbet. I guess we've known each other a while now, haven't we? Yeah, true. Thanks to you, I, I discovered the work of Barbara Wolf. You recommended her to my place, and it's been a, a while yet now. Great work with her. I still owe you a case of wine for that. <laughs> but now that you are in Australia, I don't know how I'll get that to you. <laughs> I'm sure we'll work something out. <laughs> so Collection Regard is your personal collection, mm. but you're also a gallery and you present work and mm. you kind of act a bit like a museum. Mm. You specialize in 20th century German photography and Correct. quite specifically Berlin or with a focus on Berlin. Mm. But you're actually French, aren't you? Yes, correct. Well, I'm actually I'm half German. My mother is German, but I, I grew up in France. I feel French. I, I am more French than German. But I married a German person and we moved to Berlin in uh, 2003. So it's been uh, 19 years now. And when I got to, to Germany, I already had contacts, obviously, with photography, with art. My family was very uh, art interested and I had also an uncle who was a photographer, and um, I was always very interested in photography. But when I got to Germany, uh, I really fell in love with the German photography, especially the one of the new vision and uh, new objectivity. And I started looking around for prints, and soon enough, I discovered that you could buy for quite little money, quite a few uh, great prints in auctions, in um, uh, galleries or at flea markets. Uh, there was and there is still quite a few finds to be made. And I decided to focus myself on Heingoni after I discussed this photographer with a friend of mine who is also a photographer, Ludger Pafrat. He said, my professor for photography in Hannover, Heinrich Riebesee, was always very positive about the work of Heingoni. And because I like Ribesil a lot, I was very keen to look into that because Ribesil was one of the most interesting photographers for, of the post-war era. He was a scholar of Otto Steinert as well. Looking into that, I made a discovery, one can say. I found a 600 contact prints of the destroyed Berlin after the war. Wow. From Heingoni, Seidenstücker, and Bias. Seidenstücker is a little bit more, the more well known of the three. Uh, he had a big show at the Berlinische Galerie uh, a few years ago. His archive nearly got dumped and was saved really in the last days before it got really, yeah. And Gorni met Bias probably in America, and they decided once Bias was working for the American army, in Berlin, at the end of the war, after the war, they decided to make a book about Berlin from above because Byers had access to the planes. He was working for the American army and they were making pictures of the area. And um, they decided to make this book together. Then Byers got sent back to America 
and Goni pursued the project with this great pictures from Berlin, from the ground and from the sky. I said, well, this is a tr like a treasure. It's a photographic treasure. It has to be published in some yeah. kind of a way because I cannot just keep that for myself. And the person who had it before me was not really sure what to do with it. So I decided to make a book. And preparing this book, I started working with Antonio Panetta. He worked for the collection altogether, something like six years, also as an artistic director. Because my background is business. I studied in France in the business. I was in the metal industry and the software industry, but I didn't have the technical knowledge you need to have when you inventorize, digitalize, and uh, curate a show at that time. So started working with Antonio, and we found Enno Kaufold to write the text for the book. And then the question was, actually, it would be quite good to make a show with the work to be able to present it as well for, for the people who might be interested. So I went to the museums in Berlin, and they said, very interesting, but maybe in five years. Uh, the gallery said, well, no, that's not something we can sell. And that's why I decided to turn the office I had into a kind of gallery with the lighting and everything. We opened on the 6th of May 2011, the show Hommage à Berlin, with a book, with the first book of the collection. The response was amazing. We had articles in El Pais in a lot of different, a lot of, the, I mean, we had a press releases that was really like two, two centimeters thick. So it was really quite amazing. Yeah, wow. So the... And the response was great. And I thought, wow, there is a space for unknown photographers. And if the press response is so good, people are coming. And maybe there, there is a role to be played with unknown photographers that uh, deserve to be seen, but that don't participate yet in the discourse of photography. Yeah. Unknown in the sense that they have a history. Like you mean, there are existing bodies of work. It's not unknown as in new, but unknown as in historically overlooked exactly yeah. exactly so Goni is really the perfect example for that in his lifetime he was a really successful photographer was very well known and he got forgotten completely and this is a uh, quite a sad story uh, in the end for him but the work is here the work is great and it will be at one point somehow recognized i mean i'm trying to do that now since 12 years 13 years But the work is so big, so so important and so interesting that at one point it will be recognized and the recognition has already started through the work I've done and through the work others have done last year. Two prints were in a show in the Städel Museum in the, in the exhibition Neusehen, curated by Mrs. Lemke. And they've been shown in Hamburg. Uh, he was shown in Russia, in Bologna, in Paris. So... We've done quite a few things to push him. And David Compagnie also made a, a presentation in the Biennale für Aktuelle Fotografie in Mannheim in 2020. So there was, there has been a real interest for the work. And it's just a question of people thinking the work is gone. There is nothing left. In the case of Gorni, it's quite understandable because there was a bomb in his building in Kurfürstendamm, 35. Uh, mm -hmm. And... <laughs> And uh, a lot got destroyed, indeed. Oh, okay. uh, but I managed to find quite a few prints altogether. We're talking about 1,500 contacts and enlargements. Yeah. And um, 
Ribesil and Joachim Giesel kept the negative archive. Mm -hmm. So there's also 17,000 negatives in the collection in the archive. Wow. So with the time, I gathered uh, the prints from Gorni and this first show of the works told me, okay, we can do shows and present things. So I started discussing with the photographers around me that were present in the collection. And I said, well, I have five, 10, 15 prints of your work. Would you be interested to make a show in the collection? So these are contemporary artists or contemporary so, photographers, yeah, living photographers. Yeah. In the beginning, it was living photographers. I, later on, there were also some that were not anymore among us, but most of them are actually living photographers with whom I work now, except Goni, obviously. He died in 67. And they said, yeah, well, yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, sure. I can you come in the archive and, and have a look and, uh, and decide what you want to present. So we started doing these presentations. Antonio Panetta curated the first 10 shows, I think, of the collection, or maybe 12, I'm not sure. But all the, the beginning was with him. And the second show was Hans Martin Sieft, which was about Berlin Mitte, so the area where the collection is placed, close to Hakesha Markt, in an area where there used to be a lot of galleries. Now they are coming back from Potsdamer Platz. Uh, oh, yeah. There are really people coming really back to this area. And the, the activity of the collection started to be one of a gallery. So indeed, it is a hybrid between a private collection. I continue to collect until today. It's an archive, the archive of Eingoni, and it's also a gallery where we present two to three shows per year in the premises of the collection in Berlin and where we sell also the works from the photographers we represent. So it's also really a representation of the photographers. At the moment, we represent nine photographers. It's been a great journey until now. In these 11 years, we did 27 exhibitions in the collection, and many of them also with a publication. For oh, me, okay. it's really important when we do a show that we have a publication. It can be a publication of the Collection Regard, but it can also be a publication from Lebenstedt Verlag or Spector Books from Leipzig. Braus was also involved in one of the publications. At the moment, Rasmut and Zolen has a publication of the work of Andreas Rost that we are presently showing in the Steinstraße. Yeah. Why for you is the publication important? Well, because we're talking about relatively unknown photographers that haven't got recognition they should have, having a publication is a great tool to send the work with a, a proper text. So we also have great authors. For Andreas Rost, we have Matthias Flügge, Klaus Honnef wrote a text for Anno Wilms, Enno Korfold, as I mentioned, and there are many others, specialists, photo specialists, who wrote for the publications of the collection. And with this text and with these... Uh, Photos, the curators, the institutions, the festivals can really have a look at the work and hopefully get interested. Obviously, the collectors can be also interested in including the works in their collection through those books. Moreover, and this is what everybody says about books, but I know you've heard that surely already before, but it's the only thing that remains. Because yeah. the show, <laughs> you know, the show is there for two weeks, three months, uh, whatever. But the book is there and it will be there in 200 years. So it's a great way of promoting the work. Yeah. I guess speaking of promoting the work and how you mentioned that Hein Gorney obviously is like a legacy artist and you work with some living artists. The work that you are still presenting, it, technically it's not secondary market, it's still primary market work that's mm -hmm. from an archive that you're mm -hmm. yeah, distributing. 
how has it been different or how have you discovered the sort of difference between new work that the artists that you're working with are creating and like an existing archive in terms of putting the work out there? Do you need to approach it from much different ways? Is it more or less the same? I don't make a huge difference, actually. Yeah, It's more or less the same approach. Obviously, it's not the same to work with a living artist as to live with a dead artist yeah. because you cannot discuss things uh, so well. But uh, from the perspective of the market, I think, I mean, my, my approach is more like one a museum would have, I would say. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is also a, a commercial component in my approach, but we really try to present the works so that one can be interested in wanting to know more. The shows are presented in the collection and then we try to present them in other spaces, in festivals, museums, etc. And uh, through this wandering exhibitions, we can promote the work, but it's more or less the same. Oh, okay. uh, if it's Goni or if it's Amin El Deep, which we show now here in Al or Andreas Rost in the collection, I'm not making any big difference. There is a difference in the sense that with the archive of Heingoni, I am the estate manager. So I have a contract with the family of Heingoni and they do receive a, a portion of the Bildrechte, of the rights on the uh, picture rights. And they also get editions from when we publish editions. So it's a good mix of me and being able to invest without having the feeling that when the cake is finished and ready to eat, that I will only get a small, small piece of it. So yeah. it's a fantastic way of working. And the work with the family has been great. And they're very happy that the work of their grandfather or father is being promoted like this. Yeah, absolutely. I guess given the hybrid role that the gallery plays, dealing with an archive and looking after an estate, do the artists, the living artists that you work with as well, do you help them with that management of their archive as well? So if they're older artists and say they've got 40, 50 years worth of work, do they also come and get advice from you or do you help them with that kind of thing to say, think about what's going to happen with all of this previous work? I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, it's not working every time, but as a matter of fact, most of them uh, with whom I work do have a system. Some of them don't have a system and indeed it's uh, complicated. The situation is more like when we decide to work together, they will have had already a few exhibitions here and there, participations most of the time, they won't have had a monographic exhibition. Okay. In the preparation of the show, we will go through and we will decide what we will show in the first show, but we'll, we'll also discuss what would be the second step, potentially, what would be the third step, potentially. I put that then in perspective with the ability of the um, presentations to sustain an interest or increase an interest in, yeah. the, in, the, in the work that's being shown. It's been working pretty well. I've had some artists that I did promote and that left after to go to a, another gallery. That happened also. That's the life of a gallery. Yeah. For example, I'm very proud that I was the first person, the first place, the first gallery to show the Leporellos of Ulrich Wüst. After the show in the collection, they were shown... Uh, in a gallery, they were shown at CO Berlin, and they were then also shown at the Documenta. Wow. 
And now there is nearly no show of Ulrich Wüst without the Leporellos. We did a little Leporello as a publication to accompany, to sell around along the show, and it was a good thing. So I'm very happy that when this recognition comes and when uh, the museums start to make shows and festivals. So we did shows in, in France, uh, in the Promenade Photographique in Vendôme uh, with Barbara Wolf, with Dietrich Altmanns. We presented the work of Thomas Sandberg here in Arles, uh, the work of Christian Schulz also here in Arles, also in Paris. We had a show of Metropolis from Barbara Wolf this year in Bordeaux, uh, in the Goethe Institute. We had a great cooperation also in Paris with the Goethe Institute in Paris, where we showed Wüst, uh, Paul, Gorni, Rainer König. So it's great to be part of the system of the yeah, of the photographic scene and to be able to contribute like this. And Al obviously is one hearty moment in the year where it's great to be here again with, uh, with the photo house. How long have you been doing the photo house for? So photo house was created by Paris Berlin photo group, uh, led by Christelle Bouget. And she is the founder of this collective. And uh, we talked in 2015 about making participate in AL in some sort of, of way and decided to make a French-German kind of approach, open to others, obviously. And Giselle found a great place in La Roquette where we could make the shows. And uh, we made the first presentation with the Collectif Les Associés from Bordeaux and Oskreuz Schule für Fotografie from Berlin and the Collection Regard. And in the first year, we had something like 3,000 visitors in this first week. It was for one week in the opening week of AL. And Photohouse became, with years, a real institution in the off. And uh, last year and this year, we are in the in program, thanks to the Fondation Manuel Rivera Ortiz, which is uh, in the associated program of Les Rencontres d'Arles. So it's a great opportunity to be able to be in this official program. The photo house is a very interesting kind of mixture, hybrid also, because it's not only galleries, it's also collectives. It can be, as I said, schools, it can be collections, it can be editors. We've had also archives presenting their work. The museum, Nice-Fornitz from Charles-Sur-Saône, also made a presentation four years ago, before COVID. And we have partners such as the Deutsche Börse Photographie, uh, which is also present this year. And this year we have also a collective from Austria, so German-speaking. German-speaking, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a very nice platform that uh, Christelle Bourget puts together. And Photohouse is now part of the scene and is identified as a high-level group of institutions who yeah, present the work here and... Um, it's great to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So last year, I think you said you presented Barbara Wolf. Yeah, last year we had the first show in the in program in the Fondation, and we presented the work of Barbara Wolf, Metropolis, which he took with a smartphone. And when you look at the prints, you have the feeling it's a large format camera. Didn't she produce negatives and then print them in the darkroom? She did. She yeah. did, yeah. What we presented were real analog prints that she per personally printed. And from the data, she had negatives created. And from those negatives, she did the prints. Yeah. yeah. And the work has been shown uh, last year in Arles, uh, in Paris as well. And as I said, in Bordeaux this year, in two exhibitions actually in Bordeaux. One in the Goethe Institute and one in the Photo House Bordeaux, because Christelle is also 
trying to replicate this idea of collectives working together with the city of Bordeaux in that case to present the work of uh, some photographers. And she invited us, which was really great. The other photographers we presented last year was Anno Wilms. And yeah, it was great to be able to show their work there. Yeah. And this year, who are you presenting? And this year we represent Amin El Deep. Oh. Uh, who, <laughs> who is just, just joined <laughs> Hi, how are you? <laughs> and the show is called Folders, Cracks and Papers because, I mean, since its beginning in the photography in the late 80s, was very keen to transform the prints and work on the medium in a very experimental way. So he, he was tearing he was working with the alchemy was on the positives or on the negatives uh, we are presenting here for the first time a body of work that is called arto portfolio arto was um, a theater theorist and theater maker from the early 20th century from marseille actually so not far from here and he uh, was a surrealist and created a theater of cruelty the theater of cruelty and the idea was to modify the theater from something where you speak or play a text to something where you should have a overall experience the highest point reachable being to put yourself in the trance in this performance and a group led by Jean-Marie Boivin um, in Berlin created Theater Antonin Artaud in Berlin And it existed for a little bit less than, than 10 years in Kreuzberg mostly. And they made eight or nine pieces of theater over the course of this time. And Amin got to know them in, in the beginning and he decided to follow them because it was really very interesting. So it's quite a brutal kind of theater. It's not like the easygoing evening that you will have if you would have been in one of those shows. So you had sounds, smells, uh, you had something very lively. Also, the dance was a part of the show. And he decided to photograph those presentations or those performances, mm -hmm. but not in a way of documenting those presentations, but in a way where he will be doing himself a photographic work inspired by these ideas of Artaud, but in a photographic way. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, it's great because you do see the actors performing the plays, but at the same time, what you can see in the portfolios is the work that Amin did for himself as a photographer with the ideas of Artaud. So altogether, there are nine Artaud portfolio, and we present five here. And in October, we will present all the whole series, the nine in Berlin in the collection. Yeah, wow. We published a book with text by Susanne Husemann, who was one of the founders of the Theater Artaud, and texts also two texts from Amin El himself. Yeah. I'm very happy to be able to, to present those works, and uh, it's a great work with Amin. In the show here, I decided in art to present also not only this work, but also some other works. Obviously, we're in a situation where the public has to be able to see early work and new work. And so we, we do have also new work here. It's on these two walls. Uh, it's a series as well. I mean, took some digital prints that were not used for presentations and 
started to tear them and reassociate them. So it's a, they are all unique pieces. Then he punctures them and they become objects. And in that case, most of the works we presented are representing statues, Greek statues from the Basel Museum. And he rearranges the shapes and the forms, the colors, and they are like little beautifully made objects of photographies, but also very conceptual work. And altogether, the work of Amin is all about ruptures, about breaks that you can have in life. So it can be life and death, health and unhealth, scars and healing. It's all about this process. So it's not a work that is immediately easy, but I think he, he does it in a very sensitive and, and, and gracious way. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be introduced to the work. Thanks, Mark, for sharing. This has been. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, thank really you, nice. thank you, Michael, for <laughs> thinking of me and taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope it goes well in all this week. And thank you very much. Yeah, and all the best for you too. Thanks a lot. And mm. we will drink this wine one day. I <laughs> promise. Very <laughs> <laughs> well. All right. Thanks a lot. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mark Barbet and the various roles that the collection Regard fulfills. You can visit the collection at Steinstrasse 12 in Berlin Mitte. Otherwise, if you're visiting Reconstruzal this year, you can find the travelling exhibition as part of Photo House in the Manuel Rivera's Ortez Foundation. As always, I've included a comprehensive collection of links in the show notes to the various people and places that were mentioned during the interview. If I missed anything, or if you have any questions about this episode, you're more than welcome to get in touch. We did mention Barbara Wolf a number of times, and if you're curious to learn more about her photographic practice, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast as there will be an interview with her online in the weeks ahead. Subtext and Discourse Art World Podcast is streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcast platform. If you enjoyed this episode or know someone else who would appreciate it too, please send them a link so they can benefit from the insights. That's all for now. Thanks again for tuning in. My name's Michael Dooney, and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.